Let me talk you through the two most emotional, stressful months of my sales career. It's no big deal to call a CTO and tell I want to talk. You cannot stand on the sideline and basically wait until the dice rolls itself. It's never going to happen. I don't know if this is going to be on the record or off the record. It's almost like playing with cards, this job. Like, it's like you, you get given a, a hand of cards and like you have to do the best with what, what you have. Someone might have been watching, watching down on me. Me and Jack going into this, when, when he originally told me exactly the same, like, oh, you know, Jack, I've got this idea, you know, what about this? I just, my first thought was, my God, if no, well, I don't even care if anyone, like, listens to this, you know, if I take one key takeaway from every recording, I'll be such a better rap. This is no big deal, the sales podcast. Welcome back to series two of No Big Deal with me, Jack Nico and Jack Fox. And we are very excited to welcome our guest, Kate Hunt, who is a senior account executive at Salesforce in the UK office, where she joined in mid-2020. Now, Kate has a very impressive sales background and recently, actually, very impressively, won the Women in Sales Award for Client Executives in 2023. Big round of applause for that. That's awesome. Kate is also personally training to run the London Marathon in April. If you fancy donating, I'm sure she might share on her socials as well. But we are here to talk about a massive deal that Kate signed um, earlier this year, upgrading a current customer of Salesforce. Kate, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Jack. Great to, great to be here and talk to you guys. Thanks for joining us, Kate. I usually ask the same question at the start of most of these podcasts is what does this, what did this deal do for you? What did it mean for you? Well, I want to come on to that in a moment because typically, well, after our conversation the other day, you, what, it, you made it quite clear that this deal did quite a lot for you in the way that it changed your approach to how you deal with a customer and how you partner with a customer and so on. Before I do that, I just want to ask, if you hadn't sold this deal to this client, who would you have liked to have sold Salesforce to? Who would be your ideal brand or logo that you would like to have won? So completely any brand in the world, who would I aspire to have sold Salesforce to? Yeah. And who would have been a perfect customer that maybe isn't already? Oh my gosh, this is tough. This is a tough start, isn't it? Um, well, I think, you know, we'll go on and talk about the story of, of the deal that I sold. But I think the thing that's really important to me is about being passionate about the customer that you're working with. And it's really important that you kind of connect with them on a kind of on a personal level. So I suppose I suppose it would probably be a charity. And, and then I suppose it wouldn't be a sale, would it? It would almost be like, you know, a gifting thing. But um, this is shameless, but I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm raising money for NSPCC. I'm running the London Marathon. Um, it's a charity that's really important to me. And I think that, you know, all of these charities in a world at the moment where everybody's being squeezed financially, cost of living crisis and so on, all charities are getting hit. So anywhere that we can put amazing technology to help reach more people, I'm a fan for. So it would have been, it would be to a charity. So let's say NSPCC. And Kate, maybe that's a good way for us to start because you didn't necessarily start in sales at a software company. No. Well, yeah, in a SaaS company prior to when you started at Salesforce and sold this deal, did you? So, and, and that's, I think, quite relevant to how this deal came about and how it was so successful. Were you able to give us like a bit of a snapshot into how you got to where this deal started and, and what your experience prior to that was that built up to this moment? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not a kind of 
um, badge software seller, as it were, and I don't come from that world. My my whole career has been a combination of sales and marketing. And I've been really fortunate that I've moved through my career um, through working for people. I'm very much a people person. And I think if you have strong leadership and people that empower and inspire you, there's no better reason to go and work for a person and work for a company. And, and that tactic has led me to some really exciting companies. So, you know, I started humbly. I started for a company um, selling software solutions um, for car dealerships. And I really kind of cut my cut my teeth, as it were, in a, in a very male-dominated industry. But the company I worked for were fantastic. I had an amazing manager, amazing leadership in that business, and I really enjoyed my time there. And then from there, I was headhunted, and I worked for a flood defense company, which, again, not, not super glamorous, but great opportunity to learn new skills. And we were selling our flood defense products, um, to builders merchants, which again, not glamorous, but really, um, you know, if you're going to learn sales, learn it in tough environments because you really hone who you are and what you're about and what you're trying to sell and what your sales strategies are. You know, you, you get them right and you get them wrong quickly. Um, so I learned a lot through those those early stages in my career, and kind of moved through. Um, through different organizations. And then um, my, my job before I joined Salesforce was working for Dyson, which was the most incredible company to work for, you know, highly innovative, uh, very, you know, future focused. And I was in a role marketing. So I was head of marketing originally for the UK and then for EMEA and then moved into kind of heading up a hospitality strategy for them. And it was a absolutely brilliant company. I, I can't say anything negative about them. They were They were just fantastic to work for. But, you know, I had some personal challenges in my life and was then looking for new opportunities. And somebody I knew had gone to Salesforce and said, hey, come and come and try, you know, Salesforce and do the luxury and beauty sector uh, for Salesforce in, in, in consumer goods. And I thought, OK, well, let's give it a go. Let's give it a try. And that's how I ended up in Salesforce. That's how I started my my sales journey um, in Salesforce. And yeah, I joined in the middle of lockdown, which was horrible, um, trying to onboard into new industry, you know, new um, new company, new management, new team, new everything remotely. It was really challenging, really, really tough. And I think the learning curve that you're on is very steep in, in, in those scenarios when you're put into these difficult scenarios. Um, so, yeah, I was in that role for, you know, seven, eight months. And then I found out I was pregnant. Wasn't the best timing, but I was pregnant with my second. So I've got a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old now. Um, and, yeah, I kind of um, took a year, took a year of maternity. And then when I came back to Salesforce, although I'd been in the business then for two-and-a-half, three years, however long it had been, I'd never actually been in the office at any point. It had all been remote. So when I came back from maternity, it was in July of 2022, um, the whole team had changed. So I had a new manager, had a new set of accounts, had new, new everything really, new team around me. Some, some, some people had stayed, but most people had changed. And um, I kind of came back and thought, okay, here we go again. You know, what, 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 am I, what am I doing? How are we, how are we, how are we going to do this? And the account that I picked up was, there's a, a bit of a joke internally because, you know, originally it wasn't a, a very popular account because it was what we call white space, i.e. there was not a big footprint in the account slash any footprint in the account. And so they were a bit of a tough account, not one you'd 
want to choose off the bat but I picked up that because I've been away for six months so it was kind of like okay how do I how do I how do I build this? I've got six months left of my year. How do I build? Yeah, this account? to interrupt you. Was it was it an account that was a bit of a grenade over the shoulder? Oh, that's like a tier two, tier three for me. I won't put in a lot of work. Or was that something that you actually quickly analysed as? Oh, that's a that's a big account for me. That's like my top three or four. Um, and I've got another follow up question after you. Yeah. Answer. Okay. So 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 um, no, I went. I totally put it in my priority bucket. Oh this is an account that really interests me and it interested me personally. So I, I think that was the thing that drew me to it. You know, it was one that I could get excited about and that's why I wanted to um, pursue it. But on paper, probably wouldn't. Like, I'll be really honest. Like, if you looked at it in terms of, you know, is there a big install base? Is there a big opportunity here? Well, there wasn't. There really, really wasn't. Um, but I loved the company and what they were about and that's why I was so drawn to them. And that drills literally back to one of your opening statements, which was when Jack asked you one of those um, opening questions is the brands that you want to work with, the ones that you're really passionate about as a customer yourself, especially when you're selling like B2C. And this account was one of those. Mm-hmm. And I know from chatting before, you did something incredibly creative to uh I would say break into the account or become more multi-threaded across it. Yeah, so I mean, they wouldn't talk to us initially, or me originally. They were, they were, they had their strategy in place. They're a huge heritage, billion-dollar business. They, they, you know, they've they've got lots of software vendors knocking at their door, and we really struggled to break into the account. And so at that point, I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn about this business. Now, this particular business, they uh, are an MLM business, so they have reps that sell their products internationally. And so I decided to start my own business for on, you know, with this customer. So I signed up um, as a rep and I spent three months growing my business with the company. And after three months, we have clusters and there's 300 people in the cluster, in my cluster anyway. Um, I got to top 30 salesperson in my cluster. So I really went for it and grew my business and learned as much as I could about them from the inside out. And then from that, took a point of view and I emailed it directly to the CEO of this company. And, and the email said, I'm a rep and I want to help your business. And it wasn't about, I'm from Salesforce and you've sold this software and this software and this software to these customers and blah, blah, blah. It was, this is me. I'm, I'm, from, I'm just fresh back from maternity leave. I'm your account director and this is what I've learned about your business and this is how I want to help you. And the CEO replied 40 minutes later. It's like, incredible. I can't, I screamed. <laughs> I was so excited to get this email. It ran around the garden. I was so excited that, she, that, that she'd replied. And she just said, look, can you tell me more? What, what, what are your thoughts? How can you help me? And what does that look like? And from there, we kind of engaged in this conversation and she put me in touch with her leadership team. And one of the guys who um, I originally had reached out to, who wasn't particularly positive and engaging with me, was the person that she suggested I then connected with. So we had this really awkward conversation um, with this guy, who is now, I would class a friend. We, we've now kind of, we're really, we're really, really close now. 
Um, because this was so successful at like, you know, I, I know it's unique in the case of this account, yeah. but have you tried to create POVs mm -hmm. in other accounts through different ways that have been successful or maybe that haven't worked that you could share? So I think the most important thing about creating point of views is the fact that you, you, you have, they only work if you're authentic. Like really, they only work if you're authentic. I think anybody can go and in any customer go and pay lip service and and go and i don't know mystery shop and and do things and so forth and and actually the person who had had this account before me had signed up to be a, to be a rep so this is not actually a unique move i think the bit that was unique about it was the fact that i followed through on it and i built my business and i'm actually 18 months in and i still have my business and and I'm I'm a gold rep for them, and all the money and all the commission I make, by the way, I donate to MSPCC. So again, second plug for that. Um, but, <laughs> so I, I think I think going back to the question, have I have I done this before? Um, probably not in the way that I followed through with it with such a commitment. And I think if you do it, but you're just painting lip service to it. It's really transparent that that's what you're doing. Mm. You have to really be authentic about it. It's the most important thing. I think that is like the headline there, isn't it? It's like it, if it's transparent and it looks transactional and it looks like a coy or sorry, it looks like a ploy, then it, it, it just won't have the same effect, won't have the same impact. Um, I also think it's relevant to point out here the time that you put into it. Yeah. You didn't just sign up and then just go to a meeting and then say, you know what, I reckon these lot could do with some Salesforce. Like there's like, let me show you where you could do it with Salesforce. Let me show you why. Let me show you how. And like, there's that comes with time and commitment. This fucking brilliant story. Such a good story. <laughs> yeah. It, so yeah. So sorry. Sorry. I, I won't interrupt. And okay, as well, what I'm interested about is what made you think? Well, I'm just going to go straight for the CEO. Yeah, I was going to say that's exciting. that as well. I would be like quite nervous to because because I presume Kate, the message was like. Hey, by the way, you're not doing things that great. So the message was, you are an incredible business. I, I drunk the Kool-Aid, right? You cut me and I, one arm will bleed Salesforce, the other arm will bleed this other company, right? I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about them, authentically, genuinely through and through. So the message was, um, hey, the market is moving. You were a market leader. You're no longer market leader. And, and the CEO, know, any, any CEO is going to know that, right? I'm not telling them anything they don't already know. But I think the thing is, is what's a fresh perspective is saying, I'm in your business with you. These are where I'm feeling your pain points. And why did I email the CEO? I emailed the CEO, honestly, out of frustration. And I know that's probably not the right answer, but it's the truthful one. So I try to start, you know, again, with developing the point of view, send that to some other people and other contacts I've made in the business. And, and some of them said, yes, 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 we want to listen. And then on this particular day, the meeting that I had scheduled got cancelled. And one of the reasons they said it was cancelled is because there wasn't enough senior engagement in the business. And I was sat there thinking, well, there's no senior, bit, there's senior engagement, but no one will listen to me. How do I get senior mm. engagement? And I thought, all right, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I'm going for the top. And that's why. And I think I, I 
I backed myself. Like I genuinely was like, I have something I want to say to you that's really, really important. And if you don't want to listen, then that's fair enough. But if I don't tell you, then I feel like I've done myself a disservice for how I feel about this particular customer. Do you know what's really interesting about that? That's a lesson that like, anybody at any stage of their sales career can learn from. Like there's junior sales reps who are picking up the phone, selling small deals to transactional buyers that perhaps need to really believe in what they're saying to get the message across. They can deliver it in the way that they've practiced it over and over again. But until you really believe it and you really feel that you're, what you're selling is really valuable and worthwhile, it doesn't come across in the right way. The same thing can be said to somebody who's long in the truth, who sold big ticket enterprise deals to, to multinational corporations, but they've lost their edge and they just don't really love the fact that what they're selling anymore makes that much of an impact. If you don't believe it and you lose your spark, it really does have an impact on your delivery. And then the recipient is like, they don't really believe it. Mm. I don't really know if I believe it. And it's not, it's when you've got the match of both is that I believe it and what I have is really valuable to you. That's when you can get things moving. And that's when your product is really valuable. And that's when your customer base starts to love you. And that's when the magic happens. I think there's like a, a triangle. And the three elements of that triangle are resilience, you know, creativity and passion. And I think in whatever you're selling, if you can be those three things, you're always going to be successful because, you know, if you're resilient, you, you can, you know, you can have, you know, I don't know, 100 cold calls and, you know, no, 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 no. But you sit in that resilience and you keep making that call. Eventually, you're going to get somebody answer the phone. Now, once they've answered the phone, if you're not passionate about what you're talking about, mm. if you're not truly genuine about what they're talking about, they're just going to put the phone down on you. And then if you're not right. memorable, then you're also not or, or creative or unique. You're not going to actually cut through. So if you can be any of those things, and even if you're in a long deal cycle, right, there's, an, there's even more resilience. You've got to be so resilient to stay with the account, to see those big deals through. I've got an interesting point there. Well, this is a question I've asked a number of times because I think this is so mind-blowingly impressive. Did anybody teach you that? What, or did you learn it? What, to be creative and passionate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th th that's the way that this happens. That's the way that these big things happen. Did, or did you learn it through first-hand experience? Of yeah, I think it's a first-hand experience thing. I think it's just... It, 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 it just it, it's made it just makes up my dna and who i am i think if anyone did teach it it was probably my mom my mom has been you know working mother my whole life um and i you know watched her firsthand go into you know big boardrooms and be the only woman in the room and kind of like absolutely crush it so my mom is like a big influence in my life she's 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 absolutely incredible um, but she's always all of those things, you know, she's incredibly resilient, she's incredibly passionate, and she's she's memorable, like for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's like, so important because the reason I asked that is because there'll be sales managers everywhere trying to say what you just said and trying to get their start sales team to believe it i'm assuming there's probably sales managers at salesforce asking you to say what you just said to their team to try and get them to buy into it but there's something a bit deeper something that comes from a lot for like in, in the past which makes people feel like you know this has to have conviction i need to really believe in this or else it isn't going to work and i think that's really important um just to come back to the deal can you tell us a little bit more about what happened as the deal kicked off and how you knew, hang on a minute, there's potential here. There's some white space that we can actually play into and I've got my executive sponsor. And what was the kind of the next steps that meant that you knew there was, as I like to say, blood in the water? 
it was and we still are on a, on a journey. It's so cliche to say this, but it's it's really true. I think from from having there was there was obviously opportunity there, right? Like that in abundance. We could look at it and go, oh my goodness, we could throw the book at this yeah. and it's gonna yeah, get yeah, you know, yeah. anywhere because there's so much to do. So that that was like, okay, the next question was where do we start? And and I suppose the next question then was having that meeting with the team at the customer to then say, look, this is my point of view. This is where I think we can help you. Actually, what's relevant for you? Because where do we start? It was almost like too much almost. Yeah. To, you know. And then the question was, okay, well, what, what are your priorities as a business? And it was very clear that their priorities were, you know, they need to, they need to, they need to grow, you know, they need to cut costs and they need to grow. Every, I mean, every business can tell you the same thing. We need to cut costs and we need to generate generate revenue. So those are the kind of two areas. So at Salesforce, we can help in both those areas, but again, where do you start? And then having had that conversation with, with the transformational director, he was explaining to me, actually, there are a few projects that they're starting to look at and there is a digital transformation project that's really important to them that they're focusing on. And then it was just working with, him to say okay well what's the most important element for you right now and that's how we started we just took the low-hanging fruit in terms of if i could save you money in this area and if i could generate revenue for you in this area could we could we do something and he was like absolutely yes but there was a legacy perception of salesforce of oh you're very expensive and and all the rest of it and so it was really important then that we proved that that wasn't the case. And how do we build trust and and kind of turn that around? And we 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 did that. For my first meeting was on the fourth of November, twenty twenty two, and we closed the deal, the first deal, at the end of January, twenty twenty three. So a year ago, we closed the first deal. In three months. In three months, we closed that first deal. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what were the, some of the tactical things that allowed you to tie yourself quickly to projects that they told you about? Well, I think the thing was that we, okay, we clearly created a common goal, right? I could see how he needed to win. So how, how, how he was going to look good was by create, finding a solution to this problem in the business. And actually, finding a solution to that problem was exactly in our wheelhouse and exactly what we could do. So I just made myself the solution to that problem and proved to him quickly that we could do it. So we did a very quick trial period. We had kind of team come in and do proof of concept. We worked really, really fast, literally over the week between Christmas and New Year. We did a whole proof of concept thing that gave so much confidence at the end of it that they went, yeah, okay, and signed this deal big um which meant that you know we (laughs) we got it done because we were the solution to the problem and our values were totally aligned to their values did you make any mistakes at any of these moments is there anything that you look back and share that would have made things easier if i didn't do that (sighs) i mean of course like Every every everything you learn, you know, on the in, in particularly when you're doing these multi-million dollar deals and you're doing them fast, there's always going to be mistakes. But to be honest, everything was timing. You know, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. That's cost a day. You know, yeah, I'm going to put that day back. <laughs> and yeah. you're trying to you're trying to beat the clock. 
And because they had an implementation plan, you know, we were just like bringing the team in. Some and I'm I'm such a sharer. Sometimes I overshare. That's like a, I I just like pull out the SOS and I'm like, guys, we need to you know we'll have one day. <laughs> I don't blame you for that either. <laughs> all people kind of come running, which is amazing because it's a very collaborative way of being involved. But then sometimes you know more cooks and all the rest of it, and sometimes yeah. you know now created a bit of a monster where I'm like, oh my goodness, can I just want to go back to the old days of just you know, me emailing the CEO? <laughs> I was yeah, a, yeah. as much smaller, you know, our group, our internal Slack channel has gone from you know this time last year. There were probably five of us on that Slack channel. There's now nearly 70. It's. I was thinking in my head, I was going to say, let us guess. Oh, sorry. I was going to say about 15, <laughs> and even that would be a bit frustrating at 15. How many cooks were in the kitchen? Is there ever too many cooks in the kitchen? I mean, the thing is, because, because of the journey that this customer is on, so that was the start, right? So, you know, fast forward, since. since January last year and now where we are today, January. The last 12 months, we have engaged so closely with, with the company. You know, we've had three senior executives, all of them report directly into C-suite, in our office for three hours every week, building out business case plans, working with them to kind of find their quick wins, making sure that they're fully supported in what they're doing. And that engagement has led to some, some wrong turns, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. we've gone down a path and that's not the right thing to, to for that for the customer and you know even though on paper it's like oh yeah we should just get the sale absolutely no it, it would have been the wrong thing it would have damaged our reputation it would have eroded our trust we have huge amounts of trust with this customer and it's because i genuinely care so much about them i you know part of closing these deals I'm not only obviously excited for Salesforce, but I'm so excited for them that they've got a leadership team that are willing to invest in their future and their future success. And like the next few years for this company are so exciting. And I'm, I just feel privileged to be part of that journey. So the win is on both sides for me. I find it really interesting that the delivery of your introduction of Salesforce to this customer has had such a, a knock-on effect. Like that initial delivery was done so well with such meaning and such authenticity that it's had shockwave effects for 12 months. I think that speaks volumes to what that first engagement with the executive can, what, how much of an impact that can have going forward, if you get that right. Definitely. And I think the thing is, is we're so multi-threaded now. So I have that relationship with the CEO, but... That CEO actually resigned. So so she's just left the business and the CMO has just been promoted. And I have the same relationship with the CMO. You know, he sent me a WhatsApp wishing me Happy New Year. <laughs> just, this is amazing. Because we have that yeah. friendship, relationship, I don't know, like where, you know, and it's nothing to do with a deal that needs to be done. The deals are done. It's just... Happy New Year. You know, like, I'm really looking forward to working with you this year and the stuff that we can do. And I have that same relationship across several stakeholders in this customer. When I won the Women in Sales Awards, the, the, the first two people I messaged were the outgoing CEO and the incoming CEO. And that's not because I was trying to, you know, position it. It was just because I'd had so many conversations with them about this award that I was going for and what I was trying to do. And, and the, the previous CEO I'd asked her for just a recommendation to, to put as part of my presentation. 
And she went one step further and wrote a personal recommendation on my LinkedIn profile, which is just amazing. Like, this is incredible. I'm so grateful and humbled that she did that. You're in, uh, you're in sales nirvana. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. You're in the promised land. Okay, I don't know how many examples there would be of where you've closed a deal of this magnitude where the CEO or economic buyer writes you a personal reference then on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> say how great you are i think that's fairly rare you're in the promised land because <laughs> if we all continue to hey, say quit, our prayers while you're ahead there's a monkey on your back <laughs> yeah yeah i know yeah. what's 2024 gonna bring i don't really know <laughs> as the deal that first three month deal as it came to a close that you did particularly well to just make it a smooth landing Smooth landing for Salesforce or smooth landing for the customer? Do you know what? Both. <laughs> um, so so um, honest answer was it wasn't really a very smooth landing. So we, we, <laughs> we, did, we did the deal, which to be honest, at the end of it, I, when you do you know, multi-million dollar deal in three months, it's exhausting. And at the end of it, I just wanted to lie down in a dark room for a month. Um, so, but we kind of almost immediately then, how are we going to implement this? We kind of fell into the right, boom, deal done, paperwork signed, but but whoosh, you're, you're straight into the next step of how do we get value for this, for you? You know, how do we, how do we go? And I think we had a slight challenge there was that there was an incumbent implementation partner that was doing that and we then suddenly had to fit into their program of work and kind of fit into their scheduling and all the rest of it and that that was quite a challenge um for, for us and for them to kind of get get that off the ground and moving um and, and it's still been a challenge to be really honest with you we're now using our Salesforce professional services team to come and come and try and grease the wheels a bit and kind of get all of that moving and, and, and get it in and adding value to that business a lot faster. So I think it was really challenging because of the speed of the deal. Like three yeah. months is fast. I can assume it was also quite difficult at that point to maintain the relationship, everybody smiling and nodding and keeping momentum going after the contract had been signed if there were any hiccups. Yeah, but the hiccup, so the hiccups were not really, so it was more kind of through the the, the, the partner yeah, in, okay. onboarding the software into their implementation plan. So there was nothing, there was no, you know, red flag in terms of, oh, this is the wrong software or what we've bought is not the right solution or anything like that. It was just more, how do we, how do we bring this in? To, to, to kind of deliver it as fast as possible and as seamlessly as possible. So yeah. no, terms were kept really, really positive. It's just everyone was finding solutions as opposed yeah, nice. to finger pointing. Do you know what? I'm in a deal at the moment where the opposite is happening. Okay. Where momentum's lost ever so slightly and now everybody's finding the problems. The deal's been signed and we're, we're already up and running, but now it's like this is a little bit of goodwill's lost. And as soon as that goodwill is gone, it's really hard to bring it back. And I'm the one there trying to be like, let's see what we can do, not what we cannot do. And it's like, there's a lot of, that's a hard thing to shift once the momentum is turned in your favour. I can't imagine what it's like on a deal of that size. Because trust me, the deal that I'm trying to close is not that size. All that I've just closed is not even remotely as big. I, I think um, the thing is, is that's where we made the choice. And I, and I know this is sometimes easy to say, but to almost like really lean in. 
So almost at that point, we closed the deal, but then made new connections into the business in, in other areas and go, okay, how do we continue to support you? How are we visible every mm. week? You know, we're here every week and, and, and having, you know, proactively setting up weekly conversations, bi-weekly sometimes, you know, with the implementation partner, with all of the stakeholders on the call, in, in, in the company to say, look, we're here, we're here to support. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And I think that's why we probably did head anything off at, at the past. I'm not saying that's easy to do in every scenario at all. And every scenario is different. Yeah. But I think it's assumed the opposite will happen, that you kind of do it and then you go leave it to everyone else to, to implement. And actually... Yeah. We didn't do that. And that's interesting because I've actually closed a deal in the past, then closed a really big upgrade on that deal in the past and then lost the client a year later because I gave up on that. Mm. And that was a really harsh lesson because the customer churned, even though they'd upgraded twice. And mm. I was like, that's on me because I gave up the, I didn't keep showing up. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a massive lesson actually. Well, um, listen, we've, we've been chatting away for a half an hour now already. Time's gone by very quickly. So we usually have a few questions just to round up with, but I've realised I've been doing a lot of talking, Jack. So do you want to take over with these? Yeah, I will. Yeah, let's let's do this. Um, we, yeah, we've got a few that we'll roll off. First of all, I'd be really keen to know what, what, I think I already know the answer to this, but from your perspective, what skill do you think makes you successful in sales? Just being authentic. I just honestly, I think it's so important. I just, I, I've, I've tried before to sell things that I don't really believe in, and I've failed. <laughs> like, done it really, really badly, and I just can't get behind it. And so I think, I think it's, I honestly think it's that. And you know, I, I'm passionate about every single product I have ever sold. And, you know, to the point where if I walk past a building site, I will look for the products I used to sell to the building site, you know, 15 years on, like I will still do that. And I get, we had our, some building work done on our house and some of the builders had some of the products and I was genuinely so excited. And I was like, let me tell you about this product. And if, <laughs> if you, if you, you know, the, the, and the company that I've just, um, that we've just closed this deal with, for Christmas, I bought my my mum, you know, an advent calendar full of the products. Like, if you're talking about your customer and giving them as gifts to your to your friends and your family, there's no, you, you, there's no way that you can be anything other than your true self. And I just I can't. I just think it's the most powerful thing you can ever be with anything. Yeah, I, I think there's there's three things from speaking with you is that one, authenticity. Secondly, you're incredibly customer centric. I don't know why there's balloons appearing. <laughs> <laughs> and thirdly, as well, I think that probably when you were looking at the accounts that you had, you were looking for ones where you could sell a POV or a business case to, and like you did it in this case. Yeah. I also think the, the the final part as well today is that they, that you care about the company, like as if you were a customer or as if you were a, uh, an employee, and that is so unique in in this instance. But it's also something that we can all try and replicate. Um, like care about what I feel as though I'm the customer of this business. How would I like to be treated? Or if I was an employee, how would I like to be treated? Because that gives you the access to be able to deliver that POV 
with a lot more authenticity. How many how many accounts do you have, Kate, in your book of business that are also very similar to this account where you've been able to roll this process just through? This is one of four. This is yeah. one of five. Um, <laughs> so, so it's a great question. Um, so um, I, I look after a parent company, and this is one of the companies that sit under that parent company. Um, okay. They do also have two other companies. They've actually sold them last year, but I'm continuing to own those two companies. Um, they are, um, so the, the second biggest company, so cryptic, the second biggest company uh, has just been sold. Um, and so we couldn't have conversations with them last year because they were literally in the process of, of being sold. Um, and then the other company is, again, you know, it, it has also been sold to a different different company. So those two are the ones that I'm going to be kind of really focusing on for this year, this coming year. So watch this space. Um but yeah, so that I, I have uh, four accounts in total, this being, you know, my biggest baby, as it were. Okay, and then our final two questions before we wrap up. So you'll have to forgive us for the bombardment. One, I'm assuming we know the answer to this one as well. What's your favourite sales memory? Oh, oh well, I, I think, I, again, it's, 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 it's to do with relationships and, and it, it's, it's my favorite sales memory is we had um we call them an sic it's a salesforce innovation center we had a, a an innovation center and we had the whole of the executive team come into our office with the executive team from salesforce and we ran a, an afternoon where we brainstormed and we talked about the future and we kind of had got all these ideas and, and the ceo was sat next to me and we did this whole session. And at the end of the session, she turned to me in front of all of the executives at Salesforce and just thanked me and told me that I was one of the best execs that she'd ever worked with. And I honestly was like trying not to cry. I think I probably did cry. I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it's one of those moments where I suppose one of the areas I need to work on is getting the right balance, you know, work-life balance. And you, you, we've not talked about this at all, but it could be a whole nother, a whole nother conversation. And for me, when you do give so much of yourself, I told you before about this phrase I kind of live by, which is Meraki, which means, you know, it's Greek, to do something with soul, creativity, love, or to put something of yourself in your work. And when you do do that, when you then get something back, where somebody says thank you or recognizes it, it's so deeply meaningful. So for her to do that, A, so publicly, um, and to do it so personally for so much effort I had put in, it was just magic for me. It was, yeah, it's got to be that. Well, like since the first time we spoke, I know we only spoke for 30 minutes a few weeks ago, and you mentioned that to me. It's actually had a really big impact for me. I've already Googled it and sent it to my girlfriend, and like, this is something we need to look at. And I, instantly I started to invest so much more of myself into my work and not feeling like, you know, I'm so tired at the end of the day because of work, feeling more so like, oh my God, I'm tired at the end of the day because of work. Mm -hmm. I almost feeling like I'm far more invested in all of the things I'm doing and getting so much more feedback from it, even from myself and, and not even the other people around me. So yeah, you're a very inspiring person, Kate. Really appreciate the time and all the words you've given us, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you are. Um, and then our final question is, you've got to recommend somebody now and they've got to be better than you. So <laughs> you need to tell us a name of a person who we've got to have on the podcast next. Uh, Tom Ashby. 
quite easy. Brilliant. Yeah. So Tom and I, Tom and I worked together on um, the original deal with my customer, and we are uh, kind of not yin and yang because that would say we're very different. But we, uh, he is someone who uh, he inspires me absolutely. He's very you know professional. He's uh, very experienced, and he's. Um, he's he's a he's an incredible salesperson like absolutely incredible salesperson so absolutely Perfect. tom well tom if you're listening we're going to follow up with you and we'll get an intro soon um but we will wrap it up there kate unless you've got anything else to say jack unless you have anything else to say thanks no no just time. thanks so much for joining kate really appreciate it and yeah you're like uh, a wizard yeah <laughs> Yeah, you're uh, uh, a very, thank very you so much for person. having me. It's been um it's been really fun to talk about this.